Now, Lady Muleo on SAF. So you're on the talk shop on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader, joined now on the line by Lucy Jameson, uh, advocacy coordinator at the UCT Children's Institute. Lucy, good evening. Welcome to the show. Good evening. It's nice to be on. It's so good to have you with us. And also on the line, Professor Kathy Ward, psychologist at UCT. Prof, good evening. Welcome to the talk shop. Thanks, my lady. Good to be here as well. Yeah, good to have you. Lucy, let's just start with you. You know, the, our topic for, for this discussion was whether or not our constitution is protecting or misleading our children. Now, I'll give you an example of, um, you know, points that have been made by a lot of people. And I don't think this, this relates specifically to the constitution, but certain laws that we have in place, certain policies, like the fact that a 12-year-old can have um, can go and get an abortion and does not need the consent of their parents, but that same 12-year-old perhaps isn't able to, you know, get married or sign legal documents. And those are some of the things that parents tend to feel um, are, are leaving them powerless when it, can, when it comes to looking after their children. I'm sure you've heard these things quite a few times. How do you, how do you respond to some of those views? Okay, um, that's quite a big question. Yeah. Um, first of all, we've got to start by understanding how children's rights and human rights work. So children are human beings with a full set of rights, but because they don't have the capacity to make decisions on their own, mm. we give adults, usually their parents, certain responsibilities to either take those decisions on behalf of children or with children as children evolve the capacity to take decisions on their own. Mm. So what the law tries to do is give children certain decisions at certain times when it assumes that they have the capacity to take those decisions. And sometimes it gets it wrong and sometimes it gets it right. Mm. But the principle in 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 human rights law, is called respect for a child's evolving capacities. And it asks adults, particularly parents, not just to allow children to take as many decisions as possible, but it puts a responsibility on those adults to guide and support children so that they can take decisions on their own when they're ready to do so. Mm. Yeah, speaking of responsibility, we were set to have this conversation last night. And, you know, before we went on air, I said to my producer, I find it odd that we have South Africans that are so quick to complain about what our constitution says about protecting our children or, you know, children's rights, for instance, when a lot of South Africans don't even know what Section 28 of the Constitution actually says about children. So we say, no, they have too many rights, but do we even understand what those rights are and why they are the way they are? Professor, what do you think? Um, I think that's a really key question, because I think one of the things that makes parents feel disempowered is that they... They know they're not supposed to hit their children, for instance, mm. um, but they haven't necessarily been anything else. Uh, parents haven't necessarily trained, been trained to do to do other things mm. um, in place in place of hitting. And and I do agree that we could do a far better job of explaining our constitution and at least just been doing the reasoning behind why it is there. Because mm. I think once you understand the reasons. Then, then what's written on the page becomes much easier to understand. Yeah. Who do we blame for that? I mean, the fact that parents don't quite understand. And just the point that you've made about disciplining our children as well, right? So we've been told that you can't 
hit your children, but you haven't been taught what to do. So whose responsibility is it to, to then teach some of those lessons, Lucy? Um, the responsibility for teaching those lessons falls on both the state and, you know, when I say the state, I mean our schools, our early childhood development centers, and lots of NGOs that run parenting programs. But this is really an area that's, that's a speciality of um, Professor Wards. Mm. She'll be able to explain to your listeners the kind of content that's in those kind of programs. But the responsibility lies on all of us, you know, government, civil society, but also as individuals. So mm. if you see your neighbor hitting their children and you have an idea of how to reduce their stress or some better alternatives, you've got a responsibility to, to share that knowledge with them too. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if you, if you heard the stats that were released um, this morning actually about um, this is actually coming out of UCT, I believe. This is, this is stats on, on, on children that, what is it, one in three children have been sexually violated by the age of 17. And then we still have conversations about the, the Constitution misleading our children when this is a reality. That, that saddens me. That's, that's, so let's, let's just unpack what's really going on there. Why is it that we still haven't embraced the rights of children and these these violations still continue and, and seemingly um, are worsening as well, Prof? Um, well, we can't say that they're worsening because we, this is, this, this, that study is the very first time we have any national data. Mm. Um, and it was, a, it was a joint project between the Centre for Justice and Crime Prevention and the University of Cape Town. Um, so it, it's really been very exciting to be involved in that. Um, I think... The question of why is there so much uh, violence of any sort in South Africa probably comes down to there being a perfect storm. So if you just take one of the things that emerged from that study, children whose parents use uh, drugs and alcohol at risky levels who have a drug or alcohol problem are, depending on which part of the data you look at, between one and a half times and twice as likely to report sexual abuse. Now, that's a big change in a risk factor. Mm. And, and... We also know that that um, South Africa has one of the highest per capita alcohol use uh, rates in the world. Mm. So, so when South Africans drink, we drink, um, yeah. and we do so very heavily. So, and if you think about that across a number of risk factors that we have for sexual abuse, um, then then uh, we bring them. We tend to bring them all together in South Africa, and so we create a perfect storm where these things are more likely to happen. Mm. Yeah, would, you, would you want to weigh in there, Lucy? Um, I, th- I think that's true. The other thing that's also true is that we have another risk factor that's been identified is around household structure. Yeah. And because of yeah. South Africa's history, um, children are, are very mobile and often they are sent to live with um, grannies and aunts even when their parents are still alive. So mm. we have high numbers of, of orphans living with grannies and aunts, but we also have about a quarter of South Africa's children who don't live with their parents and whose, whose parents are out working in another part of the country. And we know that the distance in relation to who's caring for the child puts the child at greater risk. Mm. And then there's all sorts of other stresses and factors like poverty, unemployment, um, that, you know, South Africa has an unequal share of. 
Yeah, I'm going to open up the lines and just hear if there are listeners that still feel that we that the constitution perhaps is misleading our children. Um, taking your calls on 0891104207. Again, 0891104207. Are you one of those South Africans that feel that you know our Bill of Rights and our constitution is misleading our children? And if so, then how, how is it doing that exactly? Uh, let's let's unpack these issues because every time we talk child protection week, you'll get those views, right? That that our children have too many rights, and I wonder sometimes if it's because children, even within schools, are taught about the constitution, they're taught about the Bill of Rights, but that education from you know for parents hasn't quite happened. So you've got this generation of students that understands what it means to be a South African. And, and parents seemingly not quite um, having that same education. Professor Cathy? Um, I think that is indeed possibly right. But I think one of the things that we really... There are two things that I think we really need to get clear. One is, my lady, that I'm not allowed to hit you. Mm. There's a law that, that, that says that if I do that, you, you should march straight into police station and have me arrested. So why should I be allowed to hit somebody who's smaller and more vulnerable than I am? So that's sort of one perspective to keep in, in place. Mm. I think the other is that um, parents need to to ask themselves, what's the goal for this child? And will hitting this child um, get get you there? Mm. Now, there's a fair amount of research um, in around the world, but also research that we've done in South Africa that shows that children who are hit are more likely to be aggressive, more likely to be depressed, and more likely to have a host of bad consequences than kids who are not hit. Mm. And so if you think about your long-term goals for your child, you probably don't want them to be depressed, aggressive, um, substance-using. And the other thing about hitting in the very short term is, what does it teach your child? It actually teaches your child not to get caught doing whatever it was Mm. that they were doing wrong. It doesn't teach them how to put it right. If they if they made a mistake, it doesn't teach them um, alternative ways of managing a difficult or complex situation. And the the other thing that can go very wrong in situations of, of corporal punishment is when parents are really really angry, and a, a spanking can escalate into a beating. And after that same study that you were quoting mm. earlier about sexual abuse. I can tell you that 35% of young South Africans reported being kicked or beaten by a parent. Um, so not spent or slapped, mm. but being seriously assaulted by a parent. And, and so we have to think about what's happening in that situation and what do we really want from it. And we probably don't want a child who's being um, assaulted by a very angry parent and who therefore learns, wait, I shouldn't get caught doing whatever it was. We probably want the child to learn um, a proper way to behave, and yeah. so we need instead of hitting to teach them that. So I'll stop there because it sounds like you might want to take a call. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm listening okay. to you, but I have an SMS that came in from Mr. Sillo that says, "My lady, in South Africa, there's no law that says you can't physically discipline your child. Only teachers are not allowed to uh, corporally, corporally reprimand learners." Um, you talk about the majority, or not the majority, let me not say the majority, I think that's an exaggeration, but you, you talk, uh, Professor Cathy, about um, a lot of children having reported being physically kicked by their parents. This is violence, right? This is not discipline anymore. Um, can I just, sorry, can I just correct this issue about the law? Yeah. Because the South African law, actually, it is a crime to hit anyone, regardless of whether that person is your child, 
um, a friend, a neighbour or a stranger. Mm. The difference, and, and children aren't equal before the law, the difference is that parents can raise a defence if charged of reasonable chastisement. Now, that defence comes from the remnants of a legal system, mm. you know, that was pre-apartheid, that wasn't based on a respect for human rights and dignity. Mm. And and one of the things, you know, the, the, the legal arguments, just as, um, you know, Professor Ward is saying there, are centred on the best interests of the child. Mm. So, you know, many parents say, well, it didn't do me any harm. And actually, that's the wrong question. The question is, what's the best thing for my child? And the South African Human Rights Commission just looked at that issue in great detail when they were ruling on the, um, the, the question of whether the Joshua Generation Church could promote corporal punishment in its parenting manuals. Mm. And they said very clearly that not only does, you know, it, it contradict the, the, the rights that children have to be protected from violence, but critical rights also about their dignity, about their personal worth. And when it came to that question of the best interest, they find that actually there are better alternatives that allow parents and children to bond, to communicate, and so that children actually can flourish if you use alternative methods of punishment. So the law very much as well backs up the point that, that the points that Professor Ward was making. Mm. But let's not think that you know there is a law that says you can hit your children. It doesn't. Yeah. It says that hitting is a crime, but that, in, that parents in some instances may raise a defence. Mm. You, you see, you, you raise religion now, and I, I think that's something for us to sit on, because, uh, Professor Ward, you, you, you could be having a conversation with a parent, and they could easily tell you that, you know, according to my religion, uh, spare the rod, spoil the child, don't tell me about the Constitution, this child is in my home. When you speak to that parent, what is it that you say to them to try and like, make them see things in a different way without feeling like you are um, against their, their religious beliefs? So I, I think that that's a misinterpretation of that particular text. Um, the, the rod that was meant there was a shepherd's rod, which was used to guide sheep, not to beat them. If you think about a shepherd, he's highly unlikely to beat his sheep because that would damage the wool and the meat. Yeah. It was used to guide. And that's where we come back to as parenting. When disciplining children, um, we, we have to take a far broader view. We're not uh, stopping them from doing bad stuff. We are, in the broader view, training them up into doing the good stuff. Mm. And so discipline more broadly includes exactly what Lucy was saying, um, establishing a good relationship with your child so that when you say no, they listen, and it doesn't have to go any further than that. Um, uh, using, praising their good behavior, building, up, uh, building them up so that they can flourish, that they know that this kind of stuff is good and it will, it will earn me praise from my parents and I will feel good about myself mm. rather than, than the harsher corporal punishment. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Yeah, so Lucy, it's Child Protection Week. What, what can we expect from the Children's Institute? 
Um, we've been working very hard, as we do every day, not just in, in Child Protection Week, sure. to ensure that um, – and that's a critical point, actually. You know, we have to – each and every one of us has to do this every single day. Mm. We don't just protect children during mm. Child Protection Week or on International Children's Day. We have to build that relationship every day. We have to work towards their best interests every day and and every day we are out there trying to make sure that there's better evidence available for governments and parents to make their decisions about the services and the care that we give to children mm. now, let, let's leave it there ladies thank you so much for your time thank you thank you very much for having us now please do keep us updated on other work that you that you're doing there with the children's institute lucy thanks so much lucy jameson is advocacy coordinator at the uct children's institute and professor kathy ward psychologist at the university of cape town